Well, good morning. Good to be with you here at West Coast, and I'm glad uh, you've come. Had no choice, but I'm glad you're here. I pray we'll be a blessing to you this morning. Thank you, gentlemen, for that song. Squire Parsons is an incredible gospel songwriter, and I enjoy his musical ministry, and I uh, hope you did. So glad Jesus came. Amen? Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, as you're turning there today, I got to ask this morning, do we have any students from Canada here today? Any Canadian students? Raise your hands. All right, see a few of you. Go, Leafs, go. That wasn't very exciting. What are you all from Vancouver? Yeah, there's the problem. There's the problem. I was born and raised in Toronto, so go, Leafs, go. Uh, but uh, I guess I got right with God and came to the States for all you Americans. Amen? There you go. Amen. I figured that would work. Here it is for the Canadians, all right? Quick little story. Maybe you've heard this. There's a college student, and uh, he worked at the produce section of a local market. And a man came and asked to buy a half a head of lettuce. The student said he would go and ask his manager about that manner, so he walked into the back and said, there's some nut out here who only wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. He was finishing saying the statement. He turned around to find the man was standing right behind him, and he added, and this gentleman wants to buy the other half. The manager okayed the deal, and the man went on his way. Later, the manager called the boy in, and he said, you almost got yourself in a little bit of trouble there, son. But I must say, I was impressed the way you got yourself out of it. You think on your feet. We like that around here. Where are you from anyways? The boy replied, Vancouver. Oh, really? Well, why did you ever leave Vancouver and come to the States, asked this manager. The student replied, well, there's only two things in the Vancouver area, ugly women and awesome hockey players. He said, really, replied the manager, my wife's from Canada. The boy replied, no kidding, what team did she play for? <laughs> Smart student from Vancouver, amen? There you go. I read that somewhere, I knew there were some Canadian students, had to share it with you today. Second Chronicles, chapter number 29. In my lifetime, I do not believe there has been more of a satanic challenge to the believer today than in the area of discouragement. Discouragement. And you here are a generation that are going to have to deal with a lot more as ministry people, as young people that are going to serve the Lord. You're going to have to deal a lot more than even I have had to deal with. And I believe in this discouragement, we must as believers stay consistent. But the question is, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do it? How are you all in this next generation, should the Lord tarry us coming, how are you going to handle the discouragement and the hindrances that are going to come across your way? I do believe there are three ways that discouraging times and hindrances are allowed in our life. One is certainly of satanic devices. Ask Adam and Eve if that took place in their life, and I think they'd say yes. I believe also there is sometimes just self-decisions. Let's just be honest about it and make as many, as few as possible, but we just make some stupid decisions sometimes. Ask Lot if he made some foolish decisions. And then I think the third way is possibly sometimes the Savior just allows things to refine us and to shape us and to mold us. I think we could ask the Apostle Paul about that. 
But all I want to say to you today, folks, is discouragement and hindrances are going to come into your life. You say, preacher, i got to be honest with you. In my young life, I've already lived some. I've had some. Maybe some family issues. Maybe some business issues. Maybe some schooling and education issues. Hindrances and discouraging times are going to come. A hindrance is something that just gets in the way and has the power to dishearten and discourage. I wish I could tell you today, because you're a Christian and a believer, that, that these hindrances and discouragements will never come, or they may be very few, but I can't tell you that. Matter of fact, you are going to understand, as you already have, but from our, our, our cute childhood to our turbulent teens to our tremendous 20s, our testing 30s, the fabulous 40s, maybe the fun-filled 50s, our super 60s, our sensible 70s, our enduring 80s, even nigh on to the end 90s, we're all going to have discouragement and hindrances in our life. They're going to come, and we're going to have to deal with them. But here's the question today. How? As a Bible-believing Christian, how am I going to respond? What are we going to do? Who do I turn to? Well, let me this morning read some scripture on this topic, share some thoughts, and apply the title of this message to something I believe we can find in the life of Hezekiah. Here's my title today. It is simply this, Helpful Hints Over Hindrances from Hezekiah. Helpful Hints Over Hindrances from Hezekiah. You're in 2 Chronicles chapter number 29. Let's start to read right at verse number 1. The Bible says Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. Now, if you would go over to chapter number 30 and look at verse number 1. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. Now if you flip over to chapter 31, and let's read together verse 20 and 21. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. Would you not agree with me today that it sounds like Hezekiah is quite a good guy, quite a godly king? This all took place about 800 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came on the scene. Hezekiah and Judah were right with God. They were serving God. It would seem from a human perspective that all should be well with Judah, all should be well with Hezekiah, no uncertain future because they were doing exactly it would seem what God wanted them to do. But then we read in chapter number 32, if you look there, and verse number one. The Bible says this after these things. We'll talk more about that in a phrase in a moment, but listen. And the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came, entered into Judah encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. 
Hezekiah is doing everything he needs to be doing. Judah seems to be right with God. After all of these things, the Bible says, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, comes to the borders of Judah. Who is Sennacherib? This clown was a wicked, ungodly king that despised everything of righteousness and holiness. The history of Sennacherib was a king that would do anything of a military genius, a warmonger-type leader, would torture, maim, and kill anybody or anything that would get in his way of establishing the domain he desired. And now this wicked, ungodly king of Assyria, this powerful king, military prowess, a war machine is on the shores and on the borders of Judah to win this land as a notch to his belt of conquered lands. As a matter of fact, this king and his men went so far Look at 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 18 and 19 to learn the Hebrew language so they could mock and despise and discourage the children of Israel. Verse number 18, then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them and to trouble them that they might take the city. And they spake against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of men. Here's what I want you to understand this morning, young people. Listen to me. There had to be, would you not agree with me, somewhat of a human element of fear in the life of King Hezekiah? We're going to see he was a godly man and a godly king, but let's just be honest. A man at his best is still just a man. And Hezekiah had to deal with this. And I believe he probably thought to himself some questions like this. Why now? Why now? I got to believe maybe he looked up into the heavens and to his God and said, Lord, man, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've set up the temple worship. I've got rid of the pagan idols. We're worshiping you. Why now? I could see it when Judah was out of the will of God and, and, and a nation full of idols and pagan idolatry and so on. But Lord, we're serving you. Why now? Maybe he got a little personal and said, why me? Why me? You ever done that in your life? Ever looked up into the heavens and said, God, why is this happening to me? I have. I think maybe Hezekiah did. Maybe he looked upon it from the kingly perspective and said, why us as a nation? Why are we being accused? Here's another one. I think maybe he looked at me and said, why aren't you doing something about this? God, why are you allowing this? Where are you? Now, in your young life, maybe you've never crossed this bridge, but I'm going to guarantee you one day you will. Should God let you live and he doesn't come back, you're going to cross these bridges. Sennacherib stands for adversity, for discouragement, for hindrances. So here's Judah. A godly nation right now, a godly king named Hezekiah leading the way. He comes to the throne at age 25. He's a righteous reformer. He's restored temple worship and the sacrificial system. He's destroyed the pagan altars and their practices. He's instituted justice, judgment, morality, decency, and order. The Bible says he was a man of truth and a man of obedience. The word of Jehovah God had become the word of the people again. Then in chapter 32, in verse 1, the Bible says, after these things, after all that's been done, 
good, right, propering, God-honoring, Sennacherib enters Judah to win it for himself. Well, that's sort of the pessimistic outlook of this story, but it's the reality of it. And young people, it's the reality of life. Troubles are going to come. They're going to come in your personal walk with God. They're going to come in your personal life. Satan's going to come after you and try to hurt you and destroy you. He may not be able to take your soul to hell, but he's going to try to make your life a hell on earth if he can. He's going to discourage you and dishearten you. And if you're going into ministry in such a time as this, he's going to do all he can to turn you back. One day, if God does put you into ministry, you're going to have to look at it and say, in ministry things, man, this can be discouraging. I'm going to hate to burst your bubble a little bit here, and man, have youthful effervescence about it, but I'm going to tell you what, ministry can be tough. So we've got to learn what Hezekiah is going to tell us right here today. What did you do, Hezekiah, when all of this was happening? When it would seem you were doing everything you were supposed to be doing, and Sennacherib comes to the borders of your nation, what did you do? Three things I want to show you this morning. Number one, would you notice with me first in verse 7 and 8 of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 29. Would you please notice with me first of all, he looked up in faith. He looked up in faith. I may have given you a long chapter. It's chapter 32. Let's go to chapter 32. What are we going to do when troubles come our way? What are we going to do when hindrances? Hezekiah, can you help us out when you went through your trouble and your hardship? What are you going to do? Well, let's look in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and start to read in verse 7. Here's what he says to the people. He says this, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. Verse 8, with him is an arm of flesh. Now let me stop right there. And i got to believe the children of Israel, the, the people of Judah were looking at him saying, King, King Hezekiah, are you crazy? This guy has a war machine. He outnumbers us by thousands. There's no way that we have what he has. And, and Hezekiah, you have the audacity to say, there be more with us than with him? That just doesn't make sense. Are you kidding me? But look at the rest of verse number 8. Oh, with him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Yippee. There's the difference. There it is. Oh, Hezekiah, he saw what was before him, but he knew he served a great, big, wonderful God. He knew that he could look up in faith, and even though by sight he saw an army that had anything to destroy Judah necessary, but he said there's something bigger and better, and it's God. It's God. He looked up in faith. Friends, don't look down. Don't look around. Now, it's easy to preach, but it's a different thing to live. But look up. My wife and I have a dog at home. His name is Liam. L-I-A-M, Liam. We've had Liam for 11 years now. I'm ready for Liam to go to doggy heaven. Just being honest with you. I just, uh, it's time, okay? All you dog lovers... I know it's hard, but it's just time. Um, all three of our children are married and out of the house, and 
you know, when we want to go somewhere, we got to deal with Liam. And my wife ain't going to put him in no pound, let me tell you that. That's just not happening. So he's come a little bit of a, a hurdle to us when we want to do things, but he's 11 now, and, and, and you know, you got to love dogs, but they get to that point when they just get old. Sort of like people. And I, I just got to admit, he's just not working like he used to, if you get my drift, okay? As a matter of fact, I talked to my wife this morning. She said, oh, I'm concerned about Liam. I said, well, well, he brought up this morning. I said, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I, I just, you know, he's just getting old. It's time for him to go to doggy heaven. Matter of fact, uh, a few months ago, we were walking the dog, and it was sort of dusk time, and up in our neighborhood, and we crossed the street into this area where there's a doctor's office, and this older gentleman was walking towards us, and, and uh, he stopped, and we talked a little bit, and he looked down to the dog, and he said, well, what type of dog is that? And I said, it's a mix of a Shih Tzu Maltese, just a little lap dog, and he said, oh, he's so cute. He said, we had a Maltese dog, and, and she just passed away a couple of months ago. And I'm like, you lucky soul. <laughs> I'm telling you, my heart and mind, I'm saying, why me, Lord? And here's the, here's the, here's the thing to get you. I, I shouldn't have asked this question, but I said, well, how old was she when she passed away? 17. I just looked to my wife. I'll almost be 70. I cannot put up with this dog till I'm 70 years of age. Dear Lord, please. But I got to admit, I have times with this little guy. Here, here's what I'm saying. Maybe a silly illustration, but you listen. You know, when that little dog wants something, when he's in need, you know what he does? He comes up to either my wife or me, and he'll sit there, and he'll look up at us and just stare. And sometimes we can pick up on what he wants. But he knows, he knows us well enough, the suckers that we are, that if he looks up to us with those brown, wimpy eyes, it's dinner time, feed me. We'll go and get him his food. He knows that after he goes on a walk, when he comes in, he sits and he looks up to us with those big, brown, wimpy eyes. And he knows if he looks up, I could just see him. He's looking up and saying, Master, please give me my treat. You know what we do? We'll give him his treat. Here's the kicker. Sometimes at night when the day has ended and we're relaxing and sometimes I'm sitting on the bed and I'll be right with God and turn on a hockey game and we'll sit there and he'll sit at the end of the bed and just stare at me. And I want to say, you stupid dog, get down. You're dry. I'm watching the hockey. But finally, I'll do this. I'll just have to say this. He's looking at me, looking up. I'll go, okay. He jumps up in the bed, comes up, sits on my lap, rolls over, and I have to rub his tummy. <laughs> stupid dog. And I have to do it. Now listen, if he's smart enough as a dog who needs to go to doggy heaven. But if he's smart enough to know he can look up to his master and be fed and be taken care of and be comforted, should we not do the same thing spiritually speaking to have enough smarts, to have enough knowledge of who God is, to have enough sense that our Savior loves us and cares for us, and when we need something, and when we want something, and when we're hungry, and when we need comforted, I'm saying, folks, we just need to look up in faith to our master and know he will be there to take care of us. He will. And that's exactly what Hezekiah understood. I can look up in faith. 
Oh, I see the arm of flesh. And yes, their multitude is much more than what we have in an earthly perspective, but my God is bigger. My God is greater. There be more with us than with him. Why? Because God is on our side. There it is. Get the upward look, the look of faith. We do have a great, big, wonderful God, and he is bigger than any problem. He's bigger than all my fears, bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see, bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. We serve a great, big, wonderful God. Look up in faith, Hezekiah. What do you do when the hindrances are at your doorstep, when the difficulties are there? When discouragement sets in, look up in faith. Corey Ten Boom said, if you look at this world, you'll get distressed. And sometimes if you just look within, you'll get depressed. But if you look up to God, you'll be at rest. Friends, there is a peace that passes all understanding to the young man, the young woman, that will learn early in their ministry life, I've got to look up in faith got to do it. Hebrews 13, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Psalm 118, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. When life's dark maze I tread and griefs around me tread, be thou my guide. Bid darkness turn to day, wipe sorrow's tears away, nor let me ever stray from thee aside. Hezekiah, what do you do when hindrances come? Number one, look up in faith. Here's the second thing I see. Rise up in action. Rise up in action. Look at verse number three, if you would, in 2 Chronicles chapter number 32. Rise up in action. The Bible says, here's speaking of Hezekiah, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He strengthened himself and built up the wall that was broken and raised it to the towers and another from without and repaired Milo in the city of David and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city and spake comfortably unto them." Folks, we got to look up in faith. we got to understand we serve a great, wonderful God. But number two, we have to rise up in action. I believe more than ever, your generation is going to have to be more action-oriented in the things of God than any generation. More action-oriented. I believe Hezekiah said, Lord, I can't do much, but what I can do, I will do. And when we do the possible, I do believe God can step in and do the impossible. So very quickly, did you note approximately six things that Hezekiah did? Get that. This is what he did. Oh, he looked up in faith, but he didn't stop there. He was a man of action. He worked the work. So number one, notice he took counsel. Oh, what a wise thing to do. Young people, take counsel. Take wise counsel. Take wise counsel from the Word of God. Take wise counsel from older pastors. Take wise counsel from godly parents. Listen to wise counsel as you perform your ministries, as you finish your education. Don't be so stubborn. 
Don't be so hard-hearted. Don't be a smart aleck young person that thinks you got it all and know it all. Be willing to listen to wise counsel. King Hezekiah, at 25 years of age, could have said, I got it all. But he realized he needed counsel as he rose up in action. Number two, did you notice that he cut off any possible water supply to the enemy? I don't know how it all worked there, but I just know this. He said, I'm not going to give the enemy anything it needs to succeed in defeating us as a nation. Listen to me, young people. Don't give Satan any advantage in your life and ministry. Don't allow it to happen. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't open a door. Don't allow it through the ear gate, the eye gate. Don't allow it. Don't give Satan any advantage, any possibility to destroy you in your ministry. Hezekiah said, look, we got to make sure they don't have any water to do what they need to do. Whatever that is, we need to cut it off. Number three, did you note he rebuilt the walls? He put up defense. Oh, I believe in the work of God. We've got to be offensive. We've got to go after it. The Bible says go, but we've also got to defend. We've got to defend. They tell me in baseball, I've heard this so much, that better pitching always beats better batting. And I think it's true. Be defensive. He built the walls. Notice also this. He made weapons in verse number five. Here's where he did take the offense. So we may not have much, but man, we're going to make as many darts and arrows and swords. We're going to do whatever we can. We may have to do some work here offensively. Did you notice as well he organized the people? He organized the people. I believe with all my heart as a Bible-believing Christian, it's being a good steward of God to be organized. Organize your life. Organize your ministry. It's an exciting thing to go to churches and see colleges and schools and churches and pastors that are organized in the work of God. I do believe God demands it, but did you notice also he comforted the people? What a good leader. When the people were anxious, concerned, fearful, know of hindrances, he comforted them. Listen, when hindrances and discouragements come, we better look up to God in faith, but we better put our work clothes on and rise up in action and do something. God gave you a brain. Use it for the glory of God. we got to work. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve your King of Kings. Look up in faith, but faith without works is dead. Work the work. Hindrances come. Just keep on going for God. Keep working. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't look around. Don't look down. Look up. Keep preaching. Keep singing. Keep teaching. Keep soul winning. Keep praying. Just keep on going on for God. Work the work. My father was a pastor he started ministry a little later in life. He worked originally for the H.J. Heinz Company as a regional manager in the city of Toronto. But he felt called to ministry at around the age 30. And back in those days, the Heinz Company was a very Christian organization, and they essentially even helped him establish and start his church in Scarborough, Ontario. When my dad began that ministry, he heard about this church in Detroit, Michigan. It was called the Temple Baptist Church. 
The pastor of the church at that time was a man by the name of Dr. G.B. Vick. He didn't know him, never met him, but heard of him and heard of the church and got the address. And he wanted to know what it was that made that church succeed in ministry. At that time, I believe, if I remember correctly, they were running about 5,000 every Sunday. Dr. Vick was also the president of Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, a very busy man. But he wrote a letter to him, not really even wondering if he'd expect to hear back from him. And he simply asked him, Dr. Vick, what is it that makes your ministry work? What have you done to make it such a success? The souls that have been saved, the, the ministry that's grown. What is the key? What can you tell me and help me as a young preacher to build a church over here in Toronto, which is about three hours from Detroit? Well, it wasn't about a week later. My dad testified he got a letter back in the mail. He said, I remember looking up in the corner and seeing Temple Baptist Church, Detroit, Michigan, and he opened it up excitingly to see what words of wisdom Dr. Vick would have to, to help this young preacher boy back in 1960-ish. He opened up the letter and it said, Dear Brother Strachan, and written right in the middle of the paper were four letters. W-O-R-K. God bless G.B. Vick. That was it. Work. Work at the ministry. Work at doing all that you can do. That's all he said. And friend, I think we have to understand this principle. We better look up in faith and remember we serve a great, big, wonderful God. But I'm going to tell you what, when you get out there in the work field for God, you better work for the night is coming. Work. What did Hezekiah do when hindrances were on his doorstep? Number one, he looked up in faith. Number two, he rose up in action. Number three, here's the last one, he held up an example. He held up an example. What do you mean? Go to chapter number 32. And if you would, look with me at verse number 20. And for this cause, what cause? The cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cause of God, the cause of Judah, the people of God, this cause, what did he do? Listen, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. There it is. What example, Hezekiah, did you leave for your people? Hey, where's King Hezekiah? We need him. Where is he? We need his help. We need his wisdom. We need his direction. Where's the king? Shh, shh. He's off in a prayer chamber with the prophet Isaiah. He's crying to the God of heaven. He's praying. Don't bother him. Look up in faith. Rise up in action. But whatever you do, young people, pray. Pray. The example of Hezekiah. He's with the man of God. He's praying. He's crying out to God. He wants the presence of the Almighty One to direct him through these hindrances of life. He's not trying to go it on his own. He knows he needs a higher power. And it's none other than Jehovah God. Young people, listen to me. Older people here today, all of us, we can't make it without prayer. 
I joke around all the time. I go to pastor's conferences. I go to meetings. I go, and if I listen to every pastor and every teaching and every method of everything I'm supposed to do every day, I'd need 36 hours and I'd never get a wink of sleep. That's just the truth of it. I mean, I go to one uh, class and they'll tell me, you need to be on your knees before God praying, and amen, we're going to talk about that, uh, two hours a day. And I'll go to another class and they'll tell me, man, you need to be out door knocking three hours a day. And I'll go to another class and they'll say, you need to be studying your Bible and getting messages ready four hours a day. And I'll go to another one and they'll tell me, you need to be administrating six hours a day. And then I'll go to another class and they'll tell me, you need to be visiting the shut-ins and hospital calls 17 hours a day. And it goes on and on and on. Sometimes I walk away going, how am I going to do it all? Where's the answer? I believe the most important of them all is spending time with God, praying. Satan has got us so busy. Sad to say, I'm talking to Christians this morning. I'm talking to pastors. He's got us so busy in so much good stuff We're missing the best stuff. We must spend time with God. Could Hezekiah looked up in faith and rose up in action and been done? I believe so, but I don't know how successful he would have been. But after it was all said and done, he said, I need to meet with the man of God, and i got to pray i got to cry out to my God because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. I don't know the total answer. I'm looking up. I've done what I know, but i got to have God. He got with the man of God and he prayed. And the presence of God fell upon Hezekiah and the people of God. You don't think that works? Ask Abraham. Abraham when he had no idea where he was going, but he had prayer in the presence of God. What about old Noah? Had no idea why he was building that boat, but he had the power in the presence of God. Ask Moses when he had to cross the Red Sea and he didn't know, have any idea what was going to take place, but he had prayer in the presence of God. Ask Elijah when he had to call down fire from heaven. He had prayer in the presence of God. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they had to walk in the fire. How? They didn't know, but they had the power in the presence and the prayers of God. Ask Daniel as he slept with the lions. Ask Paul and Silas as they sang in jail. All of them needed prayer in the presence of God to accomplish what needed to be done. When I grew up as a child, Saturday mornings was cartoon time. I don't think it's probably applicable anymore. But when I grew up, it was a, and I had two cartoons every Saturday morning. I can remember as a boy at 65 Hawkridge Avenue, Markham, Ontario. I'd get up, I'd go out, I'd get my bowl of cereal. And as a kid, I'd sit down in front of our black and white TV that had 13 channels. And I'd get up and I'd turn the channel. I remember going to Channel 4 because I had to watch Scooby-Doo. And he's still around. What a guy. Speaking of dogs, still there. But then I remember always turning to Channel 7, ABC from Buffalo, New York, and I would watch the animated version of Superman. Superman. You ever grow up having superheroes you liked? Oh, there are a lot of ones. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever Spider-Man. 
Batman and Robin, but my favorite was Superman. And boy, you remember what he used to do? Clark Kent, the mild-mannered reporter, right? And boy, he was a little bit of a nerd. Could never figure out, you know, get it right with Lois Lane, that's for sure. But he was a little bit of a nerd, a little TV or a news reporter and so on. But oh boy, when it was time, old Clark Kent would find that phone booth or find that janitor's closet. And as he was heading to it, he'd always be taking his glasses off and loosening his tie because, man, when he went in, he came out a different dude. He was Superman. And, man, he had that big S written all across his chest. And when he came out, he was ready to defeat any enemy, any foe, any problem. He was ready to fight crime, any criminal, everything for the right. Young people, listen to me. We may not have a phone booth. Some of you don't even know what that is, by the way. We may not have a phone booth. We may not have a janitor's closet. But we got a prayer closet. And we can get in there. And we can get in there and come out different for the cause of Christ. And you can get an S written all over your chest that says, man, I'm a part of this thing with the Savior. And I've got the scriptures. And I'm satisfied. And I'm going to serve. And I'm in the spirit. And I'm going to be steadfast. There's a lot of S's we can put in there. Anything much better than anything Superman could ever do is what we can accomplish for the cause of Christ if we'll learn to get in the prayer closet and come out a different person. It's there, and it's available. That's why Jesus said, come, ask, seek, knock. I'm available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pray. Hezekiah, what should we do? when hindrances come across our path, when discouragements come into our way, when we sense this, the devil detouring us, what do we do? I believe if Hezekiah were standing here today, he'd say, number one, young people, whatever you do, look up in faith. Look up in faith. Remember your God. Number two, I believe he'd say, rise up in action. Release your strength. And number three, hold up an example. Rehearse your prayers. And I think Hezekiah would say, if you do that, then he'd say, take your scriptures and go to chapter number 32 and let me read by concluding with verse 21 and 22. And the Lord sent an angel which cut off all the mighty men of the valor and the leaders and the captains in the camp of the king of Syria. So he turned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with the sword. Thus, the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. Thank God for Hezekiah's helpful hints over hindrances. God bless.